the lake needs help. Um, and we all kind of have to do our part because you can go down to the beach and look out and it looks beautiful. And like you see birds flying by and the waves rolling in and everything and everything looks a okay, but there's a lot going on beneath the surface. Hi, everybody, and thank you for listening to episode 30 of the Learn With Laws podcast. On this episode, I spoke with Rochelle Byrne, the founder of A Greener Future, a nonprofit that works to clean the shores of Lake Ontario. To date, they've picked up more than 1.6 million pieces of garbage from our shoreline. Last summer, Rochelle went on a 430-kilometer stand-up paddleboarding adventure from Kingston to Niagara to raise awareness about the pollution that's in our lake. In our conversation, we talked about what that adventure was like and how she made it happen, why it's so important for us to take care of Lake Ontario, how our actions are so connected with the lake's health, and what we can do to help. This is an especially important topic for me right now as I've started to get into Great Lakes surfing. I personally do not want to be surfing amongst litter like old cups or condoms or tampons, all of which Rochelle saw on her journey, so I seriously appreciate the work that she and her team at A Greener Future are doing to clean up our lake. I hope you enjoy this educational conversation, and thank you so much for listening. For our audience, do you mind introducing yourself, so maybe like your name and what you do? Yeah, my name is Rochelle Byrne. I am the founder and executive director of A Greener Future, which is an environmental nonprofit that's focused on litter cleanup and prevention. And when did you start that organization? So I started in 2014. Um, and back then it was just me going around doing litter cleanups. It wasn't really an organization at that point. Um, it wasn't until I realized that I needed a lot more help in order to actually make an impact because me going around picking up garbage here and there wasn't going to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. um, so eventually I, I did find uh, more support and uh a lot more like donors and grants and funding to kind of make this a reality. So it took some time to get started, but now we're six years in and we have over 500 volunteers that join us each year to do litter cleanups, mostly along the shores of Lake Ontario. Mm -hmm. um, but we've, we've started to broaden our programming too. So it's not just litter cleanups. It's about getting to the core of the problem, which is preventing waste in the, in the first place. And, and looking at different ways that we can manage waste. Wow, that's amazing. Um, Thank you. What, what made you decide to start that? Um, so originally I had gone to school for fashion marketing mm -hmm. and I did work in the fashion industry for a little while and I soon realized that it wasn't something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going back to school in my 20s and I took ecosystem management. And at that point I wasn't necessarily like, an environmentalist. I really loved animals and I love being outside, but I really didn't understand the connection that all of us have to the earth and how everything else is connected around us. Um, so the more I learned, the more interested I got. And um, by the end of it, when I graduated, I, I just felt like I had the power to do more because I was educated and I I had a better understanding of, of, you know, like the possibilities of what could actually be done and the results that that, that could have, right? So um, 
it's been a learning process. And even now I'm still learning. And I think I will for the rest of my life because it's, it's just something that's constantly changing. And um, there's always new innovations coming out and, and people that are, you know, testing new ideas. So I'm, I'm very hopeful for the future, even though sometimes it can seem kind of scary and there's a lot of bad news, but um, I am very hopeful. Mm-hmm. Well, wow, what an interesting shift to start in fashion and then move to um, like environmental type work. Yeah, complete opposite for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially because the fashion industry is like one of the key contributors to climate change. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I found when I when I was working in that space is that it just to me, like the roles that I had seemed very shallow. And I I wasn't really connecting with the work. And I just I felt like I, I couldn't really make a big impact because I just didn't have the passion. And I wanted to do something that I actually felt good about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I recently talked to someone um, about sustainability for the podcast. And then before that, I had talked to someone about surfing the Great Lakes. Um, so I feel like you're a perfect mix between those two, um, considering the trip that you recently did. Um, so yeah, I would love to learn more about your trip paddleboarding across Lake Ontario. Um, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so Generally, each year, um, the nonprofit that I run, A Greener Future, we run a program called Love Your Lake, which is a series of 100 litter cleanups along the shores of Lake Ontario. Um, So we usually start in Niagara on the Lake and go all the way to Kingston, working our way around, doing one cleanup at a time. Mm -hmm. And some of those cleanups are public and anyone can come out and join. Some are done with local groups um, and some are done just by our team and our core volunteers. So um, in the past, it's been very successful and we've had a lot of engagement and we have a lot of fun with it. But this year, because of COVID-19, we weren't able to run our regular programming because we couldn't have any gatherings. So we kind of had to think outside the box and try and think of a way that we could engage our supporters, our um, our past volunteers and anyone that was really interested in, in kind of like taking part in our programming. So we came up with the idea to host the program virtually, but us going out and doing litter cleanups over Zoom is not very interesting. So um, we wanted a better way to kind of represent the journey. Um, and I had paddleboarded in the past, not not a whole lot, but I really enjoyed it when I when I did get out on the water. So I thought it might be a really fun challenge to actually paddleboard the whole thing, especially because it's a completely different perspective from the water. Mm-hmm. And um, in the past, we have had paddleboarders at some of our cleanups who go out and get into areas that we can't get to by foot, and they always came back with like a whole bunch of garbage. So I was really interested to see what I would find in the water as well. Um, and to make it more fun, I could actually have like a GPS device attached to my board so that people could follow along and see where I was in the journey. And then we were supporting that with, um, like social media posts and information. So we were able to make it a little bit more engaging because it was something that people could actually follow along with. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it, for me, it was, it was fun. It was definitely hard, but it was fun because, it was nice at the end of the day to like log into Instagram and see that people like were, were cheering me on and like leaving me messages and that kind of thing. 
Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, so you started in Niagara, you said? I start, So I started in Kingston and worked back to Niagara. Usually we um, go the other way with our cleanups. But um, when COVID was going on at that point, um, things were locked down more in the Niagara region than they were in the Kingston area. Mm-hmm. So that's why I chose to start there because there was more access to um, like the water in the parks. Like in the Niagara region, a lot of the parks were actually closed down where you couldn't get into them at all. Like they had them gated up. Um, so I was hoping that by the time I got to that point, it would be a little bit more opened up and luckily it was, but, um, yeah, so I started in Kingston because there were fewer restrictions at that end. True. That makes sense. So how long in total was the whole trip? So I was on the water for 18 days, but there were, yeah, there were days in between where I had either rest days or it was bad weather, so I couldn't be out on the water. So it did take me the full month. I left from Kingston on the on July 1st, so it was Canada Day, mm-hmm. and I ended up getting to Niagara-on-the-Lake on August 1st. Wow, that's so cool. That's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, it worked out perfectly. I couldn't have asked for better weather because most of the days were really great. Mm -hmm. Did you do a lot of preparation for the trip? Yeah, prep was huge. Um, I did, like, I watched a lot of documentaries of other paddleboarders and people that have taken on, um, like, long expeditions like this. Um, I did have, like, I wouldn't say it was easier for me, but because I was on Lake Ontario and I had access to, like, food and water and like places to stay and everything it's not like I was doing this in the middle of nowhere and had no support I did have a crew um, that was able to like drop me off and pick me up and like help me throughout the whole thing so like with communications and and that kind of stuff too so um, that made it a, a whole lot easier but it also meant that we had to plan a lot of things in advance and try and figure out like what the route would be where we would stay um like figuring out the budget and how much it would actually cost to like run the whole program and setting up like getting equipment and like a vehicle and all of that stuff. So there was definitely a lot of prep going into it, Mm -hmm. um, which was important because by the time it started, it happened so fast that there wasn't time to think about anything. It was just like bang. And then it was over. Wow. So interesting. So how long were you on the water each day? It depended on the weather for the most part. Um, The shortest day was three hours and I had to get out early because the wind did pick up and there were pretty big waves. Um, And then the longest day was nine hours. Wow. Oh my gosh, that's so exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's, it, the time kind of goes by fast because you're like focused on what you're doing. And it was nice to see like different scenery and like, you have lots of time to think. So it did feel like it went by fast, but when the conditions got tough and it was like wavier and I really had to like push myself to keep paddling, that's when it felt long. And usually that was like shorter amounts of time. Like if it was wavy for an hour and I had to paddle like really hard for an hour, that was like way more draining than if I paddled all day long in good conditions. Mm -hmm. True. Wow. Oh my gosh. 
Were you scared at all, like, when the waves got big? Yeah, there was actually, like, I think two times where I got a little bit nervous. I I wasn't necessarily scared because I didn't really have time to be scared. I just knew that I had to, like, focus on what I was doing and that I didn't want to fall in the water. Um, one of those spots was in the Bay of Quinty because there was an area where I had to cross open water. And when you're out in the middle, it does get kind of wavy and, and windy. Um, and I had to paddle really hard for about five hours straight. And it was just, it was really hard on, on my body physically, but even worse on my mind because I knew I couldn't stop paddling or the wind would just push me backwards and then it would take me longer to get to where I was going. So it's the mindset that's like so important in this kind of journey because even though I could see my destination like off in the distance, I knew it was still like hours away. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely the hardest part to to kind of like wrap your mind around is that if the conditions aren't great, it's going to take you longer and you just have to be prepared to really like hunker down and just get through it right oh my gosh that's terrifying <laughs> yeah so what did- I, 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 did, I did have like safety procedures like set up too so like mm-hmm. there were people that that knew where I was I did have my GPS unit on so that they could find me and I had my cell phone so if I did get in a situation where I felt like I was really like in a bad spot I could have always called someone and just like paddled to the closest spot to get out and then they would have and got me so like I didn't put myself in like dangerous situations but I also wanted to kind of test my limits and make sure that I could get through the tough parts too true so what did you think about like while you were out on the water paddling for hours by yourself like what was going through your head while you were doing that every day was a little different um I did see like a lot of wildlife so a lot of the time I was out there I was just observing like the environment and nature and Lake Ontario is so diverse. It's like there's areas that have bluffs, there's sand dunes, there's like forested areas and then a lot of urban areas. So like the scenery was constantly changing as I paddled through. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, like paying attention to to the things that are changing around me um, and just thinking about like the journey so far and like how far I'd gone and the people I'd met and um, setting up things that are were happening a little further up and and just like really reflecting on on the project in general um sometimes i would like sing i don't think i ever got <laughs> bored though yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah like the i mean things were always kind of like happening around me so um you know it's when you're out in in nature i think it's it's kind of hard to get bored well for me at least mm-hmm. true so the purpose was to raise awareness about plastic pollution in Lake Ontario yeah yeah so that was our our main goal Um, and the reason why I wanted to paddle was to um, raise awareness about plastic pollution but also see what I could find along the way too did you find a lot of a lot of pollution while you were paddling so I definitely didn't find as much as I thought I would Um, when we do cleanups along the shorelines we find like thousands of pieces of litter like hundreds of thousands we've picked up over 1.5 million pieces to date oh my god yeah so i expected to find a whole lot of litter like actually in the lake but because i was constantly on the move i really only saw the pieces that were like 
floating by at that point in time. Mm -hmm. So I picked up about 75 pieces out of the lake, but I did have my crew on the shoreline doing cleanups, like basically in the same places that I was passing through, and they picked up over 40,000 pieces. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... I mean, I, I definitely found litter and there were some things on the bottom that I couldn't get like tires and cans and things that had sunk down. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were some, some areas that, um, there was like quite a bit, but it was like out of my reach. So I couldn't spend like hours just kind of like paddling in circles, going and getting all the garbage. So mm-hmm. I just, you know, I would get whatever I could reach but I didn't turn around and like go back and circle around and get more so there's definitely some areas that that were worse than others and as I got closer to the GTA that's when I really noticed more garbage Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah it's it was definitely less than I expected in the water but that's because it all accumulates on the shore right that makes sense yeah wow collecting 1.5 million pieces like that's like really sad but also really amazing too yeah it's crazy that's my goal when I first started was to pick up a million pieces Mm -hmm. and then when I got to that goal it was kind of surreal like I don't I I don't know if I like even took time to really celebrate it because it was just like it happened and then it was like oh well I guess we'll keep going Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah we're we're just gonna keep going because I mean there's still lots of garbage there that needs to be collected for sure Mm -hmm. yeah for sure so why lake ontario and why litter specifically so um lake ontario is just such a huge resource to so many people it's drinking water to over nine million people um so many people rely on it for their jobs and for recreation there's so many different types of wildlife, like hundreds of different species that that live on or around Lake Ontario. So, and being part of the Great Lakes, it's just part of such a big system and all of those lakes are draining into the ocean. So it's just so connected with people and the land and um, other bodies of water in the ocean and it all kind of just comes together. And I think um, that's the main reason why I chose Lake Ontario to be my focus because I feel like with a resource that's that's that huge, there should be enough people out there that want to protect it and um, will hopefully kind of like join forces with me and and take action and and do things to help protect the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, so far so good. Like it's great to see people coming out to our litter cleanups and that kind of thing. But at the same time, there's still so much work that needs to be done mm-hmm. and. I, I think like it, it will obviously take time and it's really nice that there's lots of other organizations that are focused on Lake Ontario as well um, because it's not something that just one organization or one group of people can really manage. It's just, it's so huge. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people know that we have an issue with pollution and with climate change in general, but I feel like people are often not really sure what they can do. Um, so how did you come up with this unique idea to paddleboard across Lake Ontario and what, um, gave you the courage to actually do it and to start, um, Greener Future in the first place as well? Yeah, so it's definitely been like 
a learning experience and trial and error and trying to figure out um, like what solutions will work. And when I first started out, I was just doing litter cleanups. And when we do our litter cleanups, we collect uh, data on everything that we're picking up. That way we can kind of analyze it and see what the problem items are and then do comparison one year over the next in like the same location to see if the litter is getting better or worse. Um, and what I found through all these litter cleanups was that um, I was part of the problem because I was picking up things off the ground that I had used um, in my lifetime. So like Tim Horton's cups, like I had, I had how many teas in my life? Like, probably thousands where I had a, like a single use cup and it really got me thinking like me changing to a reusable mug I could eliminate like a huge amount of waste from my life just by making that one switch so that's when it kind of got me thinking there's more to it than just picking up garbage like obviously we have to do that too or else we're just going to get buried in it eventually but um I think the the important part about the programs that we're running is that people get outside, they get to actually experience the event in a way that makes them understand the problem better. So they get to see firsthand all the waste that we're picking up. And when we get to a cleanup location, they look around and they're like, oh, it's not so bad here. But then once we actually get picking up the garbage, we pick up like hundreds or thousands of pieces and then they it kind of clicks and they understand what the problem is. And then we can have discussions about what waste we're finding and what we can do to reduce that waste. So now in my life, um, I've been following like zero waste principles to try and reduce my waste in as many areas of my life as I can. And it's just like an accumulation of a whole bunch of different little things and little switches that I've made in my life. And um, my waste has gone down by a huge amount. Like I have almost almost no waste now. Um, and it's just because I, I keep learning, right? And and things keep changing and new inventions keep being made that, that um, combat certain types of waste as well. So, I'm hoping going forward, um, we just keep seeing new innovations and it just gets easier and easier for people to reduce their waste. What are some of those uh, main changes that people can do in order to decrease the amount of waste they create? Yeah, like the easiest ones are like bringing your own reusable cup, whether that's for like a water bottle or for tea or coffee um, and just refilling that. Um, bringing your own lunch if you go somewhere because takeout has a lot of waste. Um, before COVID-19, some takeout places would offer like compostable um, packaging. Like I know A&W has mostly compostable packaging and some places would let you bring your own um, like containers to fill mm -hmm. as well. Um, and I would always, like if I was getting a, a drink at A&W, I would bring my own cup and they would put the drink in, the, in there instead of giving me a cup. So like that's probably the first step and obviously um, like reusable bags because that's a big one but I think most people know about that by now. Mm -hmm. um, but like a, a next step is um, like reusable produce bags. So instead of using those um, little plastic bags for, for your produce, you can use like a, a cotton mesh bag and put your, your produce in there. Um, and then a bigger one, if you really want to 
um, you know, have a big impact is refilling your own jars at like a bulk store, which right now obviously isn't an option. Um, but before the pandemic, I would go to bulk barn and fill up my own jars with like rice and pasta and, and like baking supplies and that kind of thing. And, and that's where the biggest reduction came from because most of the stuff that I was buying was food packaging. So if you can buy like bigger, um, packages or, um, like use your own jars or buy things package free, that makes a huge difference because that's where a majority of our waste is coming from is from, from food and beverage packaging. Mm -hmm. Those are good tips for sure. Um, so what kind of things are, uh, you and greener future focusing on right now? So we are currently preparing for next year's events. Um, now that this year has, has pretty much wrapped up, we're still doing a few cleanups here and there. Um, but for the most part, we're, we're done for the winter. Um, but right now is a really good opportunity to apply for like grant funding for next year's programs and figure out what that's going to look like. Because now that we are in a pandemic, we kind of have to change things up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's definitely going to be some, program redevelopment um, in the near future to try and figure out the safest way that we can host volunteers and offer opportunities that are either virtual or, um, you know, smaller groups, make sure that we have like PPE and that we can do virtual online training before uh, people come out to our events so they know what to expect. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's going to be a lot of planning to make sure that next year we can go ahead with our cleanups, but there will obviously be certain protocols in place. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that you'll do another paddleboarding trip? I don't know if I'll do the full distance again, because it was like, it was really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe one day, but I don't think it's something that I, I would want to do every year. Um, but I am completely open to doing like sections of it. And I think, um, that is something that we'll probably look into because I would love to host, um, some like paddle boarding litter cleanups, mm -hmm. um, in some areas. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely want to incorporate paddle boarding into our program going forward. We just have to figure out what the best way to do that is. Yeah. Um, looking back at your paddle boarding journey, um, what uh, was the, the biggest thing that you learned on that? I think that everything can be like, it's so unpredictable. Um, even with like the most planning you can do, you really never know what to expect. And especially when you're in a, a situation like a pandemic, like things were changing on a daily basis. And I was afraid that um, water access might get shut down or that I wouldn't be allowed in certain communities if there was like a, a very strict lockdown. Um, so there was those kind of concerns, but even just the weather and trying to figure out like the, the wind direction and like how big the waves were going to be and um, where to get in and out of the water. And, you know, like there's so many things to consider. And a lot of times we had plans to do things a certain way and it, it just didn't work out that way. So, and you really didn't know that it was going to turn out that way until you're in the situation. So you kind of have to think on your feet, but I think it was, it was good that we were prepared, but 
um, it was also good that we were flexible enough that we could make changes if we needed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's been a very unpredictable time. Yeah, for sure. Um, what would you say the best part of that trip was? I think the the people. Um, I met a lot of people along the way, and it was a lot of people that I I really didn't expect when I when I first set out on this journey. Like a lot of the people following a greener future are people that care about the environment, usually have like some sort of environmental background or are passionate about uh, like waste reduction or zero waste, that kind of thing. But um, because I was paddleboarding, I attracted a lot of the the stand-up paddleboarding and surfing community. So that was really cool because I, I had some people come out and join me um, while I was paddling and just like meeting new people and seeing their perspective. And even though they're not environmentalists like me, they have so much love and passion for the water because that's where they do their sport. Mm -hmm. So it was really cool to see different perspectives of Lake Ontario and, and how people interact with it and how they feel about it. And, and just to have the support of different communities along the way, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that's actually how I found you because um, I recently went surfing in Tofino, so in British Columbia, and then um, I've just been like following people who um, surf, and then I started following people who surf on Lake Ontario, and then that's how I found you and um, and the the journey that you did paddleboarding. Oh, awesome! Did you find Robin? Is that yes? Yeah, Robin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I actually talked to her um, the other day about about surfing on Lake Ontario. Yeah, that's awesome. Because Robin, actually, she helps me do um, one of the portages. So I portaged across the Leslie Street Spit when I got to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was actually there to greet me and help me with the portage and paddled from the spit over to Cherry Beach for um, like the last half of my paddle that day. So mm-hmm. it, and that's that's what I mean. Like the whole community is so awesome when you get into like that sap and and surf community they're so welcoming and and they're so much fun so like that's that's what really stuck out through this journey is just like meeting awesome people and like having them help me and they didn't even know me Mm -hmm. oh I love that that's so cool yeah yeah and Robin is also from Oshawa as well yeah yeah so funny so yeah like I I spoke with her now speaking with you and I didn't realize how um how nearby you are (laughs) both of you yeah I know yeah I was surprised too because I I thought because uh Robin runs the Lake Surfistas and it's mainly Toronto based I thought she was in Mm -hmm. Toronto as well but Hmm. surprise yeah (laughs) Durham girls (laughs) yeah um so if people listening to this conversation could take one thing away from it what would you want that to be I think that like the lake needs help um And we all kind of have to do our part because you can go down to the beach and look out and it looks beautiful. And like you see birds flying by and the waves rolling in and everything and everything looks a okay, but there's a lot going on beneath the surface and there's a lot of pollution that's being dumped into the lake. And that includes things like sewage bypasses, which means when, um, there's a, a lot of like meltwater or rainstorms or events that um, cause huge amount, amounts of water in our, our sewage system. Um, 
a lot of times the sewage treatment plant will release raw sewage into the lake because if they don't, they can't treat it fast enough and that sewage will back up into people's homes. Oh. Um, so there's a lot of instances where, where that happens, especially in the spring. There might be sewage bypasses on Lake Ontario multiple times per day or per week. And um, I did, I did witness that, like there was an area that I paddled through where there was like tampons and condoms and like chunks of toilet paper and it was disgusting. And I was really glad that I didn't fall in. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. So, and it was smelly and gross. And I mean, a lot of people have no idea that that happens and um, we need really need to raise awareness about that and just. I really hope that people keep learning and um, like come out to a litter cleanup or um, just even doing your own online research, just learning about the, you know, the issues surrounding the lake and like what you can do to help because it doesn't have to be a litter cleanup. There's lots of things we can all do. Mm -hmm. Oh God. I I've never heard of that before. Yeah, I know. And that's something that I, I did research into it because when I was doing litter cleanups, I was finding tampon applicators all over the place. And I was like, where the heck are these coming from? Because clearly that's not something you just do on the beach. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I found, that there's sewage bypasses. So there's a lot of people that are flushing tampon applicators and tampons. Um, and then through the sewage bypasses, they get released right into the lake, um, along with anything else that happens to be flushed down the toilet. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's gross. And a lot of people have no idea that that's even happening. Mm -hmm. How do we stop that from happening? Um, well, <laughs> that's tricky. For, for one, like, don't flush anything down the toilet that's not supposed to go down the toilet. Mm -hmm. um, two, I think like water conservation is huge. Because if we're using less water, then the system's not going to get um, overworked and they'll be able to actually process the water in a more efficient way. So um, definitely like making sure you, you conserve water as best you can, making sure you're using your toilet properly, not flushing things that don't belong. And I mean, it's the problem is, is that we have really old infrastructure. So newer systems are made to accommodate like larger volumes of water, but some of the older systems which Toronto has a lot of really old infrastructure, it needs to be updated. So I think raising awareness about this problem and like hopefully getting the city to put more funding towards fixing that old infrastructure, that would definitely help. True. Oh, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Did not realize these things, but good to learn about it so that now we can learn to do something about it. Yeah, for sure. And that's all it takes. And, and I mean, that's how I got to this point is just, you know, one thing at a, at a time, just figuring it out and trying to find solutions. And sometimes it, it takes years to find a solution. And we don't have all the answers right now. But if we keep learning and, and applying what we learn, then eventually we will get to the right spot where we can actually have a solution. Mm -hmm. So sewage, is that like, is that a municipally run thing or a provincially? Um, municipal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, just wondering who to put pressure on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, okay, I think that's mostly everything that I wanted to ask you. Is there anything that you wanted to add or talk about at all? No, I think, um, like, the biggest thing about 
like what I'm doing is I just feel like anything is possible if we all work together. And that's what I want more than anything is um, people to, to keep learning and to come out and, and like enjoy events. And like, we can still do that safely. Um, and you know, there's lots of places you can get involved virtually um, to kind of like keep learning and, and take part in your community. And I think right now, especially because we all have to kind of like stay home and, you know, like we're not supposed to be going out and, and, you know, like socializing and doing all this stuff. But at the same time, we, we can still stay connected to our communities, even if this, even if it is virtually, there's ways that we can still like make a difference in the environment, in the community and in each other's lives. So I think that's the biggest thing is that we just have to like keep pushing forward, even though we're in a pandemic. Um, we can still take action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I'll definitely make a note um, and like add the links to your social media and the Greener Future social media so people can um, know to check you guys out. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I just have two last questions that I ask everybody. Um, so the first is, what is something that you've been learning lately? So I've, I've been learning French. Oh, um cool. Yeah, and when I was younger, I did go to like a a, a bilingual school, mm-hmm. but then I just kind of lost it. So I'm I'm relearning French, and um, I I started just before I started paddling. So I did take a break while I was paddling, but I'm back at it, and it's I'm feel like I'm starting to actually get somewhere with it, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's a that's awesome. That's a good uh, way to spend your quarantine. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and then the last question is, what is the biggest lesson you've learned in life so far? Uh, I, I guess that anything is possible. Um, if you had have told me when I was younger that I would grow up and run a nonprofit, I probably would have thought you were crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that I ever thought I would do, but here I am. And I mean, there's definitely been a lot of challenges and a lot of things I've had to figure out along the way. But if you're passionate about something, you will always find the resources or the help you need to get you to the next step. So I really encourage people to kind of like follow their passion and, and just make sure that you're, you know, like putting yourself in the right situations where you can like connect the dots and, and achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve. Because I really do think anything is possible if you really set your mind to it and, and you're open to, um, you know, like tackling big issues or meeting the right people or, you know, just like setting things up for success. So I, I really am a strong believer that if you want something, you can definitely work towards getting it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you so much. This conversation has been great. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. 